podcasting for entertainment and enlightenment in the dental world, this is Gums and Gossip. She's the one behind the mask and face shield, and now the microphone, helping your gums and teeth sparkle while sharing stories and listening, all with lots of laughter. And now, here's your dental hygienist host, Hope Lloyd. This podcast is dear to my heart. It is about childhood friendships and never knowing what's going to happen in life and talking someone out of a coma. I would love to share about my childhood friendship with Brett and how childhood friendships are one of the hardest relationships to maintain. However, true friendships of childhood just pick up wherever you're in life and you continue without judgment, you remain close and they're close to your heart. So you can always move away, drift apart, but we can reconnect at any moment and any time. And you remember your childhood mates because after all, it was these friends who were there for us during adolescence of life, um, trying to make sense of elementary school, middle school, high school years. They witnessed some of the strangest, greatest, funniest, and most precious years. And it's cool that you can still be in contact and share memories and keep and binding everyone together. It's a blessing to have a miracle beside me and to have an old friend of mine that shares the same values as me. People move away for college, work, and even if you stay in the same town, we all have different interests and life happenings. So I decided to share this story about Brett and how all these years later we've kept in touch but not on a daily basis, but we keep in touch with our old friends and value what each has the gift that we each have to offer. So I'd like to introduce Brett and Kirsten. And Brett and I go back to high school where he dated all my friends. (laughs) And we um, had this bond and I wanted to share his story. So here I am. And these are incredible people. They have an incredible story and I have my take on things too. But I wanted to introduce my friends and it's Brett and Kirsten. So welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys for coming on. So I wanted to share this story about how, obviously, you know that we met in high school. And we had this group of friends who was, it was amazing. We would be together all the time, but then we also had our other network of other friends, too. So the way our school was, um, it was more, not like breakfast club. Would you say it was like I think it was more like breakfast club. Do you feel like it was breakfast yeah. club? So we we all had our different, we still do have all our different personalities. But 30 years later now, which seems crazy, we all kind of are together and we keep in touch with everybody. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have the social network world, but everyone still kind of kept in touch. And we all are like family still. So it's I don't know how unusual that is, but... 
Brett was in this, uh, was it two years ago? Yes, July uh, 15th, okay. 2019. Okay. So in July of 2019, he was, I wanted Kirsten to go ahead and explain a little bit about the story of her take on things. And then I'll tell you my take of what I remember of those times. So I'll start off by sharing the moment that I guess my understanding was that he was at his house and was it a neighbor that actually um, came uh, by? Yes. Um, I had uh, our neighbor across the street came by and I had to go take a phone call in the house and Brett was leaning against my vehicle in the front yard talking to our neighbor and all of a sudden um, my neighbor came in the house and said he's down he's down and I'm like what get out here now he's down so I went outside and my brother was um, on the concrete laid down he had cut his left elbow um, he had had a seizure and um, so we called 911 and uh, 911 felt it was necessary he go to the hospital and they were going to take him to um, Denton and I said that's really far and at the time I had just really only been back at my brother's house and in my hometown Richardson for only a little short period of time so I was still trying to get map out where I'm at <laughs> yeah. so I told him to take him to the nearest one so they took him to uh, Frisco and uh, we took him in there and they uh, x-rayed his brain and and his elbow to make sure he didn't break anything and they went to stitch him up and they said his uh, MRI came back normal for his brain scan and that they were going to send him home so um, and he had had not dinner but he had had seizures before right? yes he had had one seizure back in 2017 and uh, Baylor kept him for three days and would not release him until they felt he was well enough to go home. Right. And so this kind of was, he. this was another seizure, but he was, was he on medication prior or anything? I know there was a lot, I'll say from my standpoint, what I heard, there was probably a lot of things going on, a lot of stress. Yes. At the time, right? Yes. And um, there were different things he probably... My understanding, were, there, there was a little bit of um, chaos, maybe, or yes, something that was going on. he had lost his job on, on July yeah. 1st. And maybe depression. And or, um, he maybe. had a court case coming up with his ex, yeah. and um, things were just really getting to him. Mm -hmm. so, so some things, sometimes things get triggered, I guess. And depression is a serious thing, too. I mean, because you never know how people are doing they can look great on the outside and everything. And, and the struggles that they go through, they don't want to reach out to people. You don't want to reach out to people or burden other people. So you take a lot of stress on to yourself and realize that, you know, sometimes you just can't do it all. Yeah. And that you do need the help. And so he probably was at the point where he just didn't want to, do you think, reach out to anybody? And to, you took it all upon yourself to try mm -hmm. to figure things out and it probably got to you a little bit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there and there was he's shaking his head yes for everybody who's <laughs> <laughs> here he is, he goes to the hospital and they end up I'll be real brief that they, they end up releasing him. And 
in the release, his sister, who, um, Kirsten, goes to get the car and just doesn't think that things are completely right, but this is just something that you're supposed to do because he had lost his job and maybe they were just releasing him, putting him on meds and then just saying, okay, everything, we'll just monitor him, right? So anyways, he hits his head, right? As I was getting the vehicle to pick him up, he collapsed again, having another seizure, um, and he hit his head on the hospital floor, causing a massive brain bleed. So then after the brain bleed, they end up transporting him. They realize how serious everything was, and they transport him over to a different hospital. There they end up, did they immediately do brain surgery? Immediately. He was uh, wheeled in. They took me upstairs to ICU, and then they <clears throat> put him in the uh, surgical room. And the surgeon came in and said we were going to drill a hole in the back of your brother's brain, and I had to sign paperwork for that. And that was to drain blood from the hemorrhaging in his brain. And um, that was a very intense, scary moment for me. I was in a room that was dark. It was, everything was just flashing in front of me. Like, what's really going on here? Is my brother going to live? Is my brother going to die? How serious is this really? You know, here I am with a bag of clothes thinking I'm going to take him home. This is really serious. This is something that, I did not expect them at all. I didn't think it was this bad. Well, I think everybody's in shock. I it was, was in a complete definite shock. Shock because you're not knowing what's going to happen and how this happened and like um, and all that. So um, he ends up having the surgery mm-hmm. and successfully. It was a successful surgery, and they put him on a ventilator, mm-hmm. and eventually he ends up just to kind of fast forward a little bit, his brain function, they were saying, wasn't going to be where he wasn't going to be able to eat, drink, talk, walk. Yes. He wasn't going to be able to do anything. And they approached you and said, hey, you might need to pull the plug. Yes. Because he's going to be a vegetable and, yes. and we can't do this. And this was, I think, two weeks into... I got wind of it. I'll tell you my take. I got wind of it. It was probably two weeks in. There was a GoFundMe page, and and then other people had to, because of the shock, it wasn't like, you know, Kirsten was going to contact. She didn't have my information, things like that, because it was all through Brett. And get into his phone. Yeah, you can't. (laughs) It's amazing what you can't get into and what life brings you with somebody else's life, because everything's so secured, right? Yes. Yeah. So my take was I end up getting wind of it. Of course, I immediately go up to the hospital and I see him and everybody's like, wow, you know, this is, you know, this is it. I looked at him and I said, there's a person in there. There's a real person in there and you don't need to, I think I even told you, I said, don't even think about it. You're doing the right thing. Because she really, Kirsten was really torn. The doctors are really stressing. Hey, this is no good. I was like, there's a person there. Let me talk to him. When I left the hospital, I was feeling a little bit discouraged because of the way that I saw how people don't treat people as individuals. People have a disconnect. I guess the nurses and the doctors, because you are not a family member it's just a person to take care of, in my opinion. 
So when I left the hospital after the first couple of times, I went for a walk. And when I went for this walk, I was listening to some music with my earbuds and my earbuds died. So I put them in my pocket and just had a quiet walk and thoughts and deep thought about what I saw and how I could help. And I decided that I was just going to go up to the hospital as much as I could and help swab his mouth and so that he could be able to feel better. Came home and then that next day I was looking for my earbuds. I couldn't find my earbuds anywhere. And I searched all around. And for some reason, I thought, well, maybe they fell out in the garage. And I was looking around and I look up and I see this blue folder. And in this blue folder that just appeared out of nowhere, I've never seen the blue folder any other time, were notes that Brett had written me back in high school. And these are all personal notes. So then I thought, wow, I must read these notes to him. I would sit there amongst times and I would read these notes to him. And so believing that there really is a person listening, I thought it was a sign that I was supposed to read these to him and maybe trigger some memories to get him out of the coma. Why that folder was there and how I found it is just so odd because I had left when I was divorced. I was in a bad situation where I ended up having to leave my house and I didn't get to pack much of anything. So I left a lot of important information and lots of things for my grandmother And I lost a lot of things at the house when I had to move out. Don't know how this folder got, and it was just, this folder was randomly poking out. I eventually ended up finding my earbuds. It was a day later, and it was in my car for some reason. So I was obviously, I was a little distraught. It's weird how it guided me to this blue folder. So I went up there and um, we talked. He doesn't remember. Do you remember anything about any of that? No, he's shaking his head no, that he doesn't know. But I went up there several times and we would sit there and talk. And I would take the little swabs of the, um, it was really so funny. funny. <laughs> so I would take the swabs of the, like, the dental stuff. <laughs> And I told the nurses and I said, if he's, he's so dry because of the ventilator. And I said, well, he's so dry. Even if he was going to be able to talk or do anything, he can't talk because (laughs) he's so dry. (laughs) And so I would take the swab and you probably don't remember any of this, like you said, because it was just being in a, he was in a coma. So it was like what, an induced coma? Yes. Okay. And so, um, when I would go up there and I, I would swab his mouth and I used the little suction and it was funny because he would open his eyes. He hated me touching his teeth. <laughs> and let me tell you, dental visits in the past, we had talked about dental visits in the past and he hated going to the dentist, which I'm correct, right? Mm. Yeah. So he's shaking his head yes and he says yes. Dentists were not his favorite. 
and of course he never sat in my chair but um <laughs> but they were never his favorite and when I swabbed his mouth and all that his eyes would open like really big and then he would squeeze my hand a little bit and so I I was all excited and I told the doctors and nurses I'm like he's he's up like this is it he's up I don't I don't understand what's going on he's he's functioning and then so they explained it to me that it's kind of like the chicken when its head gets cut off well, that that's you, a really nice way to yeah this is what God. they told me they said well the nerves that you just sit there and even though he was responding to me when I was doing all that because it was just a nerve reaction that had nothing to do with the compassion or talking to him. And I'm like, but he can hear me, which I know he doesn't remember any of this, I don't think. Yeah, no. Mm. But I was like, he can hear me. I promise he can hear me. So we sat and I would chit chat with him like several times and we would go through and do things. And I even watched football with you several times <laughs> because he's a big sports fan. Yes. Yes. Loves the Cowboys. Right? Yes. <laughs> say yes. Can you say yes? Yes. yes. He's finally said yes. <laughs> he, he talks a little bit, not all the time. So, um, and it's, a, this is really a miracle. Honestly, it's, um, with everything that's happened, when I watched football, my other funny story was that there were reruns from like 1984 and I, it was from like ESPN <laughs> and I honestly thought I was rooting for people. Like we were, <laughs> we were rooting for people, but this was like from like the 80s and I'm like, these people seem so familiar. And I remember another friend of ours came in and he was like, what are you watching? Why are you watching rerun? I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so embarrassed. And <laughs> I thought you chuckled, but I don't know. Like, so anyways, the doctors and nurses thought that I was totally nuts um, because I was. We all there. think you're nuts <laughs> <laughs> because I would sit and chit chat with you, and you couldn't respond back. But I felt like I could sit and chit chat with you because you knew what I was saying. You mm. know. And so, um, at the time it might not have been that way, but I perceived it that way. We all did it. He could hear us. I knew he could hear us. Yeah. He just couldn't respond. Respond. Yeah. So then he wasn't ready to respond yet. Fast Healing. forward, you know, we would joke around with his IV that was steak and potatoes and, <laughs> <laughs> and that we were, that he was getting like the best of the best. <laughs> and it was, we tried to make a positive environment and the, the doctors and nurses would come by and they would pace and try to listen to what I was talking to him about. And by the time it was like all said and done, they finally, it progressed. So it took like... Was it two months before they took the ventilator out? Two months. Yeah. Yes. So this is in a two-month time span. They take the ventilator out and all that. And I remember coming up there. I'm sitting there just doing my thing, talking. And all of a sudden, I remember even calling you about this. He, he opens his eyes and he looks at me. And I don't know if you remember this, but he opens his eyes and he puts his hands up. Like, um, like the talking thing. And he goes, talk, 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 talk. I remember he did that a couple times. <laughs> talk, 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 talk. That's what he would tell me too. Talk, 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 talk. 
so then I, I laughed and I said, well, and I told people this, I said, I talked him out of a coma. I like, I, I felt like maybe I talked him out of a coma. <laughs> and they said, well, your name is Hope. I would tell patients this. And they said, your name is Hope. Yeah. So maybe you did. And it was a collaborative thing. I, I sit there and I think, but when you're dealing with people, even in the dental chair and beyond, and even in the hospital, there's there's people there that um, are, think about if it were you. That's how I always think about things is that if it were me, you know, how would I want somebody treating me? And so everything luckily has been, um, it's been a battle, but yes. um, it's a uh, blessing to have him here. And out of the coma, and they told me, you know, like the whole left side of his brain was black, is yes. what I was told. The whole yes. left side of his brain was black, and that there was no function. And so here we have him today. Um, I'm sitting here with him, and in these weird times, mm -hmm. and he has gone through physical therapy, not currently, but he has gone through. He speech. can speech. He can walk. He's walking very well. He can talk. He can eat. Yeah. A lot. And he, and what do you love, Brett? Mm. Pepsi, right? Yes. You love Pepsi? Yes. <laughs> and so, pizza, right? Mm -hmm. Pepsi and pizza. Were those your favorites before? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing changed, like, as far as... When he came out, he's still the same person. He's still the so, loving, giving person that he always has been. And he's going to continue with progress. And I wanted to share his story because I found it fascinating how somebody can go through. And he can even describe, we were talking, I was talking earlier about how um, when you are on the verge of not making it, and how you see, you know, the light. And um, I think he was there. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if there was something that triggered, would you say, that got you out of it? Is there something that you can, like, portray that kind of helped or not really? His son. God told well, from what I've asked him, I, you can ask me too, He, God told him to go back to his son. Mm -hmm. You have a son. You need to go back. You're not ready here yet. So that is a, a powerful prayer is powerful. And mm -hmm. there is something out there that's spiritually um, mm -hmm. connects. I totally people. believe that. And I feel like you, I've always told people that you meet people for reasons and that everybody in your life is put there for different reasons, whether it's a learning experience or if it's a, um, you never know what, what's going to happen. And if we were to look back like 30 plus years ago as to where we would all be, you could not make up any of this stuff, could you? <laughs> no, you he's, couldn't. He's shaking his head. You cannot. <laughs> But everybody's surviving, and I know with these weird times, and everybody's doing really well, and I'm super He's amazing. Proud. He, he still needs uh, speech and physical therapy, 
and we're working on that right now. We're having a hard time getting insurance. And uh, once we do, he's all for going back to it because I know in my heart, this man may not come back as 100%, but he's going to come back like a bull in a china shop. And he's going to be walking better, and he's going to be talking, and he's going to be trying to move that left side of his, or right side, sorry, right side. And um, I can't wait. It's very exciting to see this journey and to know, and it's funny, I really, it, it scared me like when he woke up because I had no idea. And I think, like I said, it was a collaborative thing, but I kind of took it as like, oh my gosh, he's talking now. <laughs> he's never said this again since the day he first spoke. He's never said get me the blank out of here. He's never said it again because he couldn't couldn't do it, but I've never seen somebody pull on railings as tight as he did. I'm like, Brett, you can't leave yet. And you just get me out of here. <laughs> and even when he was going through different therapies and stuff, I guess my gift was because I could understand him and possibly talk for him a little bit because there were times that he couldn't, like somebody say, what do you say? And I'd, I'd go, well, this is obviously what he's saying. And I think it's because I talk with people's, my hands and people's mouths all day long. And, <laughs> and so then I can understand people is what I attribute it to. You but, did very well, Fran. I was very relieved that you took the time to take him out in his wheelchair and take pictures with him. You know, um, it was a day-to-day -day thing with me. I'd go to work, I'd leave, I'd, I'd go to the hospital. That's what I did for eight months, every day of my life, until I was sick that first three weeks of the October before this one. And uh, he's got a bunch of friends that love him to pieces and a whole family, a whole army of people that love you and care about you, Brett, and want to see you get better. Mm -hmm. They do, and I feel like my... My audience is cheering you on too, <laughs> and um, I yay. think it's a very <laughs> it's a very special thing. And I think because you even played because I know back in high school you played soccer and stuff, and they probably I don't know. Stephen still... Wright jokes with him a lot and says, "Come on, brother, you got to get better. Let's go kick the ball around." And Brett just starts laughing <laughs> like, hey, "I got you, buddy." <laughs> well. So at this point, like I said, he's just kind of saying yes and no's, and he listens, and I, I'm sitting here just talking away, which I normally do. <laughs> hey, Brett, is it like this? No. <laughs> and he doesn't, like I said, I know he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't recollect even putting his hands up, going talk, 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 talk. But, um... Yeah, sure enough, I'm like, oh, he's up, he's up. It was crazy. Anyways, is there anything else y'all want to add or say? Brett, I love you, and I want to see you get better. And I know yes. you can do it, but you got to do it within yourself, and you've got to want it mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And you can blow all of us away and just get better, mm -hmm. you know? I see it in you. you have faith. You can get better. Just ask God. Mm -hmm. Ask God to help you. Mm -hmm. And I, I am one of these people. I choose to um, make, I want people to feel welcomed and seen and heard and valued and loved and supported. 
And I feel like you have so much support and it's really awesome. And I, I know I will continue to do whatever I can, you know, to help out and, you know, keep brushing. And <laughs> <laughs> He does brush okay. his teeth every night. Every night he brushes his teeth. Okay. He's good at it. And he does it by himself. Yeah. yeah. See, teeth are important and you wouldn't be able to like even talk if like the dryness from the, <laughs> you know, from me, like having to like swab. So yeah, somebody had to do it, you know? And um, We still have packages of those swabs if you need some. <laughs> they are very important. Yes. So anyways, I feel like I'll end this. I wrote a quote. And in this, um, side by side or miles apart, real friends are always close to the heart. Awesome. There you go. Thank you guys for being on here with me. And I really love you and I appreciate you. And I know things, this journey is just only going to get better for everybody. Thanks for listening to Gums and Gossip. If you liked what you heard, let us know and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.